Hello, beautiful souls. I'm so excited. The, we are in week four of the sex series, and today we have Dr. Trina Reed. She is a relationship and sexual health expert, a proud mother of two baby boys, a best-selling author, a go-to media expert, magazine columnist, spokeswoman, and award-winning international speaker. The list goes on and on. She is incredible, and I cannot wait to share her insights with you today on this podcast. Today, we're talking about long-term relationships, so strap in or strap on and get ready for Dr. Trina Reed. Welcome to Fear It Goes, the podcast all about taking your fears with you and doing it anyway. I'm your host, Brandi Taylor. Hi, Trina. Thank you so much for being on Fear It Goes and being a part of our sex series. It's really exciting and so thrilling to have you here to share your expertise when it comes to relationships and how we can flourish in long-term relationships where so often so many people struggle over long periods of time. So thank well, you so much for joining Oh, no. Us. You know what, Brandy? It's people like you who are doing the grassroots work, talking to women about the important issues. I mean, this is how we get the information out. So I will reciprocate and say thank you. <laughs> Thank you for putting on a series about sex for women to listen to and, and think about. And, and this is where the change happens. So, so good for you. I am very happy to bring this to the awareness <laughs> of consciousness. I, well, no, I mean, this, this, this is how it goes, right? This is how we get women to change their sexual patterns. This is it. So let's do it. Let's get on with this. Let's do this thing. Let's do this thing. <laughs> So it's funny, um, you had sent me some really great concepts around things that you specialize in. And I loved that one of the first things you said was, it's not always about the spontaneity because we, we get so busy. Like you and I were just talking about hockey and how crazy that is. And honestly, our lives get so busy. How does spontaneity fit into busyness? Sometimes it can't. And we're exhausted and we're not really in the mood and we're not really thinking about these things because we're constantly working in another field of thought. So how do we bring in the joy of the connection within a relationship if that's the space we're always coming from? Yeah. So I've done at least a thousand interviews and something I have been advocating for almost 20 years is for couples to schedule sex. And I, I was on TV a few times and I, the male presenters looked at me like I had three heads, like, are you kidding me? That is the stupidest idea I've ever heard, <laughs> scheduling sex. And, and I get so much pushback saying, you know, like we, we're scheduled up our wazoo, you know, like, like we're, we're hockey moms and all we do is, you know, the, the schedule around the hockey or whatever you are doing in your life, chances are um, you tend to be scheduled. And why would you want to take that most precious thing that, you know, brings in love and creativity and, you know, closeness in your relationship and put some scheduling around it just doesn't make sense, right? Um, but I've come to understand over the years that a big part of 
women, women stopping enjoying sex is that sex is only ever initiated spontaneously. So what tends to happen, not for every woman, not for every relationship, but there tends to be when, you know, a woman's just sitting down, minding her own business, maybe she's <laughs> reading, maybe she's watching her show, and then her partner comes and squeezes her boob and it's like, okay, it's time to go. And, and she's like, what? You want sex now? Sex now. Can't you see I'm relaxing? Can't you just see I'm not in the mood? Can't you just tell that I just am not in the headspace for sex? However, she reluctantly goes through with it out of guilt or she kind of pushes it aside or she tends to avoid it altogether. So what tends to happen when women feel, when, when we get into the loop of spont only relying on spontaneous sex is women feel pounced upon and there becomes a lot of negative energy around feeling pounced upon. So what happens when you start scheduling sex now what what people tend to think when they think about scheduled sex is it's going to be tuesday at two o'clock so like at two o'clock you march into the bedroom and all of a sudden you're having sex and you know some people are into that and if that's what you like then great but for the rest of us it's more like you know what on the weekend sometime we're going to make the effort to have sex with each other or you know what we know on tuesday it's a flexible day for both of us so we're going to make that effort to have sex and what what you can do then is start preparing your mind and your body for the sexual experience so you instead of negative negatively anticipating being pounced upon all of a sudden you have a little bit of control over how you are going to feel so you proactively start doing things to help you get in the mood now every woman is into whatever turns her on is something different <laughs> i don't know what turns you on but if you like if you start doing things like like I know everything I say that people are going to hate the things that I say. They're Some gonna are going to love it. it. Some no, no, so, it. no, most, most of them are going to hate it. They're going to say, I don't like that. It doesn't turn me on. Okay. So, but it's so like, you can do something like send a sexy text to your partner saying, Hey, you know, I, I don't know what you'd like to do, but you know, like I'm, I can't wait till we do this together or you put on some nice lingerie, not because you want to look good for your partner, because sexy lingerie makes you feel good about yourself. So or, it does. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? Or, you know, or you put on some candles or you have a little erotica sitting by your bedside and you just flip through the good pages. You know, like you just start putting yourself in a, in a headspace where it's like when I walk into the sexual experience, I'm going to be a lot more into it. I'm going to be in a, a little bit more in control and my body and mind are going to be able to relax. So the, the thing about knowing that you're going to have sex on Tuesday is all of a sudden, instead of feeling pounced upon, you say, you know, what can I do to make this experience better for me? And that's the beauty of it. You know, so instead of having a neg instead of walking in with a negative perception of what sex is for you, you start walking in with a perception of, you know what, this is going to be a nice time for my partner and I. And I think there's something to be said too about, okay, so scheduling kind of sucks. Yes. And I, I find that life can be extremely scheduled. However, we schedule because we put importance on those things. So by scheduling and sex, we're actually making it something important in our lives, important enough to give it the time slot. 
Yeah, and, and the other, so there's been some research to, to validate what you're saying. There's been some research to show that the more often a woman has sex and finds pleasure in sex, the more often she wants to have sex. Totally and the less true. And the less often a woman has sex, the less often she wants to have sex. So you might have had the experience talking to, to a woman saying, you know, she says, I, you know, I, I haven't had sex for a year and I don't miss it. You know, that's because she's going through that, that yep. instead of having a positive momentum towards building up her sexual self-esteem and sexual self, she's going in the opposite direction. So what we're trying to do when we're scheduling sex is proactively putting it on the map for, for ourselves so that we're building that positive momentum. And, you know, remember, like when you schedule sex, it doesn't mean spontaneous sex is thrown out the window. Like right. you can still, ha you can have both. You can have schedule <laughs> sex and you can have spontaneous sex. And the more often you do this, the more often you want to do it. Does that, does that make sense to you? Absolutely, it does. And it's totally true because your libido is linked to the regularity or the consistency of sex. So if it just becomes this once in a blue moon thing, you just really don't have any interest in it because your energy isn't focused on it at all, at no. all. No. Um, and it's kind of funny thinking about um, what you were saying about the erotica beside the bed or dressing in lingerie. I think lingerie makes me feel very pretty and very desirable. I think I feel that way when I'm wearing it. So I like to wear it. But um, whatever it is you bring into the sexual experience, it's it's what do I want to get out of this experience today? What do I want to try? What do I want to feel? What do I want to, what is it? And what's in it for me? <laughs> yeah. So I, so that's, so that's the thing. The more like when we were dating, I mean, every, every sex expert uses this analogy, but it is true. When we were dating, we thought about what we looked like, what was going to happen. Like we were, uh, anticipating positively anticipating the sexual experience right it's because we were putting some energy and time and effort into ourselves and into what was going to happen and it, it just makes perfect sense that when you know all of a sudden when you only rely on spontaneous sex and all and suddenly like you feel pounced upon and there's like no thought put into what's going to happen you know like of course you're not going to feel the same way because you didn't put the same amount of energy into making it better for yourself. Yes. Where, yeah. our, where we focus, our energy flows and where our energy flows, we are all in. We're so encompassed by whatever that experience is when we're, our energy is on it. So couldn't agree with you more. And I, as much as I think that scheduling can be I used to think, actually, let me rephrase that. I used to think scheduling was the worst thing in the entire world. My life felt like all it was was a schedule. Um, however, I now see that I schedule the things that are very important in my life and the rest of it, I can just say no to. Yeah. So yeah. the things that don't really matter, if you want that relationship and that relationship is important to you, sex is a part of how we connect with our partners and it's the deepest level to which we connect with our partners. So it's something really beautiful to keep in the um, relevance of your relationship and your life and the scheduling part. Yeah, yeah. Well, anyways, hopefully, hopefully we've convinced at least a few people. <laughs> Schedule it! <laughs> to, tr to try it out. Just give it a shot. You might like it. <laughs> oh, that's so awesome. And this kind of segues into our... Um, 
into our ideas around, well, what do we desire? What, how, what's in it for me? Because trust me, when you're enjoying it, so is your partner. And when your partner's enjoying it, so are you. So what do we desire? What, what, what gets us excited? And how do we keep our libido in a healthy place? Yeah, so th- something I, uh, I think is astonishing, and maybe it's not, uh, that women and men don't tend to know the difference between libido, sexual desire, and sexual arousal. So just really quickly. So sexual desire are the thoughts that we have going in before, before, during, and after the sexual experience, which have, and we've kind of been touching on this, it, our thoughts have a profound effect on our will, want, and desire to have sex. So, you know, whether you have positive thoughts going into the sexual experience or negative thoughts going in, it profoundly affects how, how you experience that sex um, sexual arousal are the signs on your body to say that you are aroused. Now, how can you tell? I'm just, I always feel so lame saying this, but how can you tell a man is aroused? <laughs> so a man, you can always tell a man is aroused because his penis engorges with blood. It's a six inch tube. Generally, it takes between 30 seconds and a minute for a man's penis to engorge with blood. Now, women, on the other hand, have something similar to that. They have what's called an orgasmic platform. And it's a much bigger surface area. So it takes women, on, on average, 10 to 15 minutes for that orgasmic platform to engorge with blood. So that, this is why every sex expert under the sun says foreplay, foreplay, foreplay. You need 10 to 15 minutes of foreplay because what they're actually saying is you need time to let this area of your body get engorged with blood so that when you start having uh, intercourse, it feels good to you. So what tends to happen is women skip the foreplay and when our vagina is in a resting state, it's a collapsed tube. So once, once it becomes aroused, it becomes a, a tube and it sweats and that's your lubrication. So a lot of the women who just are like, you know what, let's just get this over with. Let's just skip the foreplay. Like, I just like, I just so not, don't want to be doing the four. I don't want to be doing it. I just, I want to be watching my, you know, real housewives instead, you know, like I, let's just skip the foreplay. Um, What you're doing is you're disabling your ability to really get into and enjoy the sexual experience. So, you know, your vag, she's working so hard for you. Like she's working really hard. But she she's can your only best friend. <laughs> she, no, no, she's like she's down there. It's a collapsed tube. She's trying to she's trying to make it good for you. But she can only you got to throw her a bone, you know. So the importance <laughs> the importance of your sexual arousal, and you know, if you if Brandy, if you talk to any woman and you said to her, you know, what was one of your best sexual experiences? I would guarantee it's when she her her. Uh, she was fully aroused and totally it just made the whole sexual experience so amazing for her. So, you know, sometimes a quickie is like, does the trick. I agree. Quickies are like a godsend for difficult times or just, you know, you just want to have, you know, it's, but really be careful to 
you know, give yourself some time so that you can, your, your orgasmic platform can become properly aroused so that you can really enjoy the sexual experience. Now, libido are the hormones that propel you to want to have sex. Um, and, you know, when we're in the early stage of a, stages of a relationship, we have what I like to call love hormones. And they just, you know, the, so we have that sense. It's so easy for us to become aroused, to be into the sexual experience, to enjoy the sex. But after 12 to 18 months, those love hormones dissipate and we're just left with our regular hormones. And, you know, if you're under any kind of stress or if you are on certain types of medication like antidepressants, those will just completely wipe those hormones away. So, for example, your body can only produce testosterone or it can produce cortisol, which is the stress hormone. It cannot produce testosterone and cortisol at the same time. So you either can have testosterone, which helps uh, your libido help you want to propel you into sex or you have cortisol right so what i'm saying is you cannot rely on your libido to propel you to want to have sex you have to a lot of times manufacture this idea of having sex which is goes back to the scheduling sex right so when we schedule sex we get into that upward momentum that positive upward momentum because you can't you cannot rely on your libido saying you know i feel like having sex today so, um, so really, it's the sexual desire, sexual arousal, and libido are the you know the mind, body, soul of of how women feel about her sexual experience. And generally speaking, one of those one of those three things is out of whack. So a lot of times, women think, you know, why can't I just be in the mood for sex, like fully present and in the mood? Why does always something seem to be off? And it's generally one of those three things. And when you once you start like really understanding your body and your state of mind and your, your hormones, which seems a little bit overwhelming. But once you kind of understand how those three things go together, then you can start understanding how to make the sexual experience better for you. Does that make sense, Brandy, to you? Yeah, absolutely. I'm wondering too, though, um, around, I'm, I'm just thinking as you're talking about fantasies and how, again, our thoughts are propelling our desires are um, shifting our stress levels and the cortisols in our body. So if we sat down, kind of like a meditation, but we did like a sex meditation. <laughs> we sat down for five minutes and just thought about sex, something that we would really like to experience or something that we would not necessarily like to experience, but it, just the idea of it is just really crazy and tantalizing and would that not help with, because I know testosterone is a big um, driver within our libido. It's, it's one of the things that allows us to have libido is testosterone. So would that not increase the testosterone levels just sitting for a few minutes a day and thinking about what we want, something delicious to us? You know, they're just now doing research on serotonin uptake and how it relates to women's uh, will, want, and desire to have sex. So there's two drugs on the market now to help women with hyposexual dis dis disorder. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and um, 
and they both work on the brain and they, but they, the two drugs work on the brain in a different way. So I get what I'm trying to say to you in a very, <laughs> in a very long winded way is, um, I don't think they have enough research to understand really if meditation or like we, we know that that meditation works uh, from an observant point of view, but not from a research point of view. So there has, as far as I know, and I could be wrong, there isn't any really real hard data on the effects of positive thinking meditation, you know, getting yourself into the mindset and how that affects you know, if that affects women's hormones, libido, that sort of thing. It makes sense though. Like with these two drugs on the marketplace, I think we are seeing that brain connection between sexual desire and hormones and how it all works together. I think I'm going to run an experiment. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to run an experiment and I'm actually going to run it as a course and have people do it. Okay. Yeah. Let, let me in. I'll join. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be interested. Uh, run the sex challenge. Huh. Sorry. This was awesome. <laughs> Great idea. Uh, and this often kind of leads us into how we approach the sexual experience to begin with. So if I'm sitting here thinking to myself, oh, I'd just rather be watching the show or I'd rather be reading my book or I'd rather be taking a bath. I'd rather be doing anything but having sex with you. How do I think my experience is going to be if I do have sex, right? Yeah. So the so my obs- observations dealing with thousands of women are, you know, our attitude, attitude plays a fundamental uh sorry, attitude plays, has a fundamental impact on how a woman experiences her sex. So, you know, I used to call it, oh crap, oh crap, do you want to have sex now? (laughs) Like really, it's the oh crap moment. And like if we, so there has been research to show that, um, and I can't believe somebody did research on this, but they did. Good on. (laughs) There has been research to show that women can, most women cannot compartmentalize sex, meaning you yep. have your busy day and then you walk into the bedroom and then you can just forget everything else that happened in your day and just, uh, you know, move into the sex and be fully present in the sex. Most women are not able to do that. However, other research has shown and proved that once women's bodies start going into the motions of sex it's similar to muscle memory so once women's body like you are in the you're in the bedroom and and you're starting the motions of sex that's going to click your brain and your body over into the enjoyment of sex so you know a lot so it's you know and, and this again is a good reason not to skip the foreplay not to go as quickly as possible because maybe you have had the experience where, you know, like your body is just clicking over 
into enjoying the sex and boom, it's over. It's like, oh shit, I was just getting into it. I, I, you know, I was just getting into the sex and now it's done. And, you know, maybe you have to finish yourself off, you know, when your partner goes <laughs> for a shower because you're like, I'm not done. I'm not done. So, um, and that's okay. I'm just yes. saying, just putting that out there that, you know, if that oh, is, yeah. oh, no, no, if, you know, don't, yeah, please, no, don't no, please, that. <laughs> but, but I'm also advocating not to rush sex. So like, so the whole, so the point is, um, you honestly don't know when you walk into that sexual experience, how it's going to turn out, you know, chances are it's going to be, it's going to be okay. Right. So if you go in thinking, oh crap, do I have to have sex is, you know, I'm not in the mood. I don't feel like it. Um, it's really going to impact your ability to click over. So if, so if you can walk in saying, you know, I don't feel like having sex right now, but I know that once I get into the motions of this, it's probably going to turn around. So I'm just, I'm just going to, so, you know, if you walk in with the attitude of, well, I wonder how it's going to turn out, you know, with that kind of, you know, just that Mm -hmm. small shift in your, perspective will really change your ability to be able to just click over all that much quicker. Right. So, um, body follows because the body's going to follow. And, you know, like I, I'm just an average person. I'm just, um, I'm just, I'm a mom and I have all the issues that every, most women have to go through. And I have walked into the bedroom many, many times and I've had to use this little trick. Well, you know, like, you know, well, let's just see how this is going to turn out. And honestly, it really can be significant and impactful. So, you know, try it. You might, hopefully it might work for you. (laughs) Awesome. And it does... uh, the effort we put into it and the ideas that we bring to it, you just said like, okay, so how's this going to turn out instead of going in thinking, oh, I don't want to. Um, So, and then if we just put a little bit of effort, if that's even our goal is just to put a little bit of effort, a little bit of thought, a little bit of, maybe this could be something really great because it's the, well, what if this happens or what if that happens, but what if the opposite happens? So, I'm a big believer in mindset and everything we do, everything we do and perspective and the lenses that we layer on top of how we see and view all experiences. So if we just shift it just a little bit and we just shift just a little bit of what I'm bringing to the situation. So I don't really feel like this, but you know what? Today I'm just going to, I'm just going to focus on touching you this way or asking you, ah, big things here, the communication, or asking you to touch me this way. That's all I'm going to bring into this today. I just, I'm just going to bring this. What a difference these little incremental um, processes make for us f- within the experience. Yeah. So when I first started out, one of my big pet peeves used to be women would come to me and say, I don't like sex. And I would say, well, what are you doing to make the sex enjoyable for you? Right. And she would say nothing. And I was like, <laughs> well, honey, you're doing nothing. And like in my head, I'm like, like, how do like, you expect this, anything? <laughs> this is, this is not rocket science. You know, like if you're not doing anything, but then I wrote my book and uh, I came to understand 
that women were never asked or what, what do you want out of the sexual experience? Like what would make you happy out of right. this experience? Right. And women were never asked. So like women don't understand that, you know, a big part of her sexual pleasure is her understanding what she wants out of the sexual experience. And so it's really about sitting down and thinking, well, what, what turns me on? And, you know, a lot of people gravitate automatically to having an orgasm and having an orgasm is fantastic. And sure. it's not the only thing in the sex playbook. There are thousands True. and thousands of things that can make you happy, sexually fulfilled. Um, so, you know, it, when you, you know, maybe you sit down, like you say, and have a five minute meditation and say, well, what, what would make me sexually fulfilled and happy? And, you know, just embrace whatever pops up because it probably will surprise you. So maybe perhaps you watched uh, 50 shades of gray trilogy or you read the book mm -hmm. and you saw the dungeon and thought, Hey, that looks really interesting. You know? <laughs> or maybe you saw something on TV about polyamorous relationships and you, you think, you know, I would like to date outside my primary relationship. Or maybe you think, well, I am a little bi-curious. You know, I just, I think we suppress these things that really turn us on for a myriad of reasons. But I would say, you know, there's no, there is zero shame in what makes you sexually satisfied, fulfilled, wanting to express yourself sexually. So I think when you like part of part of being like what's in it for me is understanding when you walk into the bedroom what do you want to have in that experience and and for a lot of us women it's about taking baby steps you know it's like moving from zero to being in a polyamorous relationship <laughs> you know it's just probably not going to happen so like where where do you start with that if you're starting at ground zero i just encourage women to like take a look at what sense of the five our five senses turned you on the most so you got to help me out here brandy because i always forget one there's smelling and tasting, tasting and hearing and feeling seeing. And, and seeing okay so there's the five thank you so there's the five senses so one of a one of those senses is most impactful for you and so when you walk into the bedroom you want to have one of those like maybe you like listening like a lot of us like to listen to sexy songs that gets us that gets us off maybe you like to read a little erotica watch a little porn you know and by the way there's a lot of female friendly porn produced and written written and produced by women for women so there's a lot of great porn now for women so don't be scared of porn it, yeah. you know you, you might try it you might like it erica so lust a, is a great yeah. resource yeah. she does uh, something very very different than most porn that you see so if mm -hmm. you're looking for something that is more connected to the connection we we have with people through sex um erica lust is an excellent resource and there's also um a website called make love not porn nice yeah it's make love not porn and it's real people having real sex that's what and she does yeah 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 so <laughs> i'm just saying like just take just take a take a little have a little think and say you know when i you know what what can i do with sex that would make it 
pleasurable for me. And, it, and as you said, it doesn't have to be a big grandiose gesture. It can just be something small that you bring into the bedroom. And the thing is when you shift things even so slightly in the bedroom, it releases dopamine for you and for your partner. And that dopamine is, gives you that rush, that, that feeling of closeness that you experienced when you were first together. So that's why, you know, sex experts are always saying bring novelty into the bedroom because you get to have that sense, that, that dopamine rush, that, that sense of closeness, that sense of happiness. And, um, you know, it doesn't take a lot. It just takes a, you thinking about, hey, what do I want out of this experience? And it's not, honestly, I can't believe I have to say this, Brandy, but it's not selfish. It's not oh, selfish. God, no. Well, no, I know that you and I, like, we're, we're, sing, <laughs> we're singing to the choir, right? Like, you and I are singing like we're on the same song sheet. But for a lot of women. Definitely the same page. For a lot of women, this is still seen as, oh, I can't take my pleasure it's it's too selfish to do that and we're calling bullshit on that you know it's bullshit you got it you got to walk in expecting your pleasure to be met well and so we're talking about selfishness it's not really that they're feeling completely selfish they're feeling guilty and these are influences that have been now um, adapted or adopted by whomever holds them and you should never feel guilty or shameful around things that you desire or things you want to see in your life or the experiences you want to have. That's why you're here. So guilt and shame always question if these are coming up for you, why are they coming up for you? Because that's blocking some of the most incredible experiences you'll ever have in your life, mm -hmm. whether it's mm -hmm. sexual or not. So if you're feeling like this is something um, that is selfish of you to want these things question why because when we are coming from a space of feeling fulfilled we are so much better and so much more powerful at giving to the rest of the world our kids our jobs our spouses everything we bring to our life is full from this space of giving to ourselves so when we don't give to ourselves because it's so selfish. No, actually, you're being selfish in not giving to yourself. So yeah, and the thing is, and, and just to add to that, our part, like I, you know, I, I would say the majority of men want women to be sexually satisfied. They want us to take our pleasure in the bedroom like they like they want yes. that dynamic to happen so they want it to happen so you know we sh you know like it, you know it's 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 not like they're discouraging that part of us from blossoming they want it to blossom so it's a, it's a win-win for everybody when you take your pleasure yep absolutely when you own it and speaking of owning it <laughs> So I find it fascinating when you flip roles in the bedroom mm -hmm. and for someone who has not typically um, been the one in a power position or the person that takes the lead or um, will drive the experience, it's really interesting when you choose to flip that role. Yeah, so... 
I would, as we touched on a little bit, I would say a big reason women find sex just meh, you know, they, it's, it's okay when it's good and it's, you know, it's whatever. It's just meh is they don't have a lot of control over the situation. You know, women and men are socialized that men initiate the sex. I, I hope that this dynamic is changing with I our younger gen- with our younger generations, but for us at our generation, uh, we wait for the sex to be initiated. We let our partner take the reins in the bedroom. It usually isn't to our satisfaction, you know, so there's, and there's not a lot of control there. So women, uh, so what I say to women is, you know, uh, we need to get into the habit of initiating sex. And, you know, so to be clear, at least 5% of the women who are listening, they are the initiators of sex in their relationship. So they don't have to listen to this part. But for the rest of us, um, initiating sex is simply a habit. It's just simply a habit we get into. And I'm going to go back to scheduling sex. So when you know that sex is going to happen on a Tuesday, it's so much easier for women to get into the habit of initiating sex because, you know, if you actually go through the, go through the, I'm getting myself ready. I'm, you know, putting on lingerie. I've read some erotica or whatever you want to do. You're, you know, you're, you're sexting your partner. Mm -hmm. You are take, you're taking up that role of initiating sex and why it is so fundamentally important for women to, start taking the driver's seat in initiating sex is it gives us what I like to call sexual self-confidence. And you were touching on it just before Brandy and sexual self-confidence is like, it's the driver of what helps us feel good about ourselves. So you've probably seen a woman walking down the street and you're like, I don't know what it is about that woman. But she's like, she's got it going on. And I would probably, and I would say it, was, it would probably be that she's got a lot of sexual self-confidence. So when you start taking control of your sexuality, you start making the effort, you start initiating sex, all of a sudden you start exuding this sexual self-confidence and it comes out, you know, and it's not just about nope. being <laughs> sexy. It's not like, it's great to be sexy. It's wonderful to be sexy and feel sexy. It's amazing. But it oozes out in other areas of your life. And, you know, I I would just say by taking that little tiny step of initiating sex, being in control of the situation, um, you know, that's the first, that's, that's the first step in, in, in being able to, to get that really elusive sexual self-confidence. That's also you drawing your own power from within, like you're tapping into that great, beautiful, incredibly bright, powerful person that you are inside when you do take these steps, because you're stepping, okay, so for most women, they're saying, I don't want to take, I don't want to take this control, I don't want to, I don't want to take that step. It's so outside of their comfort zone. But as soon as you take that first step outside that comfort zone, you're drawing power. You're gaining power. You're gaining confidence. But that's what confidence is. It's your inner power shining out. Yeah. And it does. It oozes into every aspect of your life. This is only one area we talk about, but it overflows to so many other areas in your life, just as other areas in your life will overflow into this area when you gain your power. 
So yeah. I'm... Yeah, it's it's a small it's a small thing that reaps big dividends. So you know, uh, like I so, so what I so I say in my workshops is you know, what however however much you are initiating, you know, once a month or six months or a year, double that, just double it, and 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 there's always one woman in the seminar who says, well, zero times two is still zero. <laughs> <laughs> No, no, it doesn't work like that. <laughs> and I, I just can't help but think that women are like, but what if I do that? I, I can't do that. But what if you did? Mm-hmm. But what if you did? What would, what would it look like? What would it look like if you took him by the shirt and walked him to the bedroom? What would it look like? What would you know, it do thing, him? Like the thing is, if you're not, like if you're, you know, like if you don't know where to start, there's right. really easy things to do. Like this one couple I knew, she, she had this one magnet on the fridge. And whenever the magnet was moved to a different part of the fridge, <laughs> that meant it was getting, it was going on, right? It was sexy time. And, <laughs> You know, the kids had no idea. The kids had no idea. Um, but so, I mean, I'm just saying like, you, like it can just be something subtle and easy like that. And, or, <laughs> or another couple. Yeah. It was, it's, and that in itself actually is kind of funny, especially if there's kids involved. <laughs> kids have no clue what that means. Uh, no. Guys, it's like yeah. this total <laughs> like, I know delicious secret that you're carrying with each other it is awesome (laughs) and something extremely simple yeah so it does i'm just saying like if you're just a newbie at the initiating you know it can it doesn't have to be something difficult it can be something pretty easy and and another example is um some and i know another couple who have this pillow on their bed and it's a different color pillow on each side. And when the pillow shifted (laughs) from one color to the other color, it meant that was the time. Right. I mean, it, it, it's, it's simple and it's creative and you know, you and your partner can come up with these little things that you do. Right. Which is also like your, like, I think that's part of being a couple too, is having these little things between the two of you that only like keywords or, fridge magnets or pillows like it's just your language and that's and it deepens your relationship and love for each other right when you when you that's just your thing I think that's it's fun it can so initiating sex can be fun absolutely I was just gonna say it's creative and fun and honestly sex should be fun and it should be us at play because it's an opportunity for us to play with each other in a really incredible way. <laughs> yeah. Um, so something I found kind of interesting was the idea around sexual role models. I hadn't really thought of this in this way um, until you and I kind of looked at this. And I, I want you to explain this more because I think it's a really interesting idea yeah so like when we're looking to find our inner sex goddess or like a find like you know heck yes what what (laughs) what turns us on 
And we're just like, I don't know where to start. Like where I don't even know where to begin. I would, you know, for some women looking at, looking out and finding uh, inspiration from, from somebody else might be the start for you. So what you find sexy in somebody else probably is a mirror of what you find sexy in yourself. So, you know, if you look out and, you know, there's, there's the typical sexy role models like Beyonce. Beyonce is beautiful and she's talented, you know, like she's, she's all that in a bag of chips, of course, Beyonce. But then, you know, like I would say there's other women role models who like, so for example, I'm not explaining this very well, but there was one woman in my seminar and she said her sexy role model would be Jessica Lang. And I'm like, Jessica Lang. That's kind of, <laughs> that's that's kind of kind, odd. That's kind of unusual. Why would you want Jessica Lang? And she's like, well, you know, she's got a really subtle sexuality, but you know, behind the scenes, she can be a real tiger. And I'm like, mm. oh, I said to the lady, does that describe you? And she's like, yeah. <laughs> you know, so I, you know, so there's a lot of people out there. Maybe it's somebody you work with. Maybe it's, you know, it's, it's um, like, it doesn't have to be a big star like Beyonce, but I would just start looking around for people who you find sexy and, and start analyzing, well, what is it? Why is this person sexy to you? And chances are the reason you feel they are sexy is because they emulate things that you already have in yourself that, that maybe you need to just bring out a little bit more, enhance a little bit more and, and understand that, you know, you too are, you know, super sexy in that way. So this, this idea works for some women, doesn't work for other women, but I just say, if you are, if you don't, just don't know where to start, just look around, see what you find sexy, see who you find sexy. I have a question around that. So I, I just think back, okay, so I went through um, <laughs> a long period in a long-term relationship, a long period of like no libido. I was that woman that was like, I'd rather be doing everything, but um, I, like basically my sex drive had fallen off a cliff. So um, coming out of that experience has completely transformed me. But what I've noticed is that I'm my sexual role model is me. Oh, ah. so when you look back <laughs> okay. in your prior to long term relationships, or when you look back at your younger self, what were some of the things that you enjoyed or explored or thought was interesting? Or because I found that in that, in that diving, in that, in that um, journey that's where I found some of the most incredible desires within me and built up me quite quickly because of that, because I looked in places that were about me, not about somebody else, but you're right. It is uh -huh. a mirror. We do see the things in people that we, especially the things we look, it's the things we usually like in ourselves um, or the way that we're perceiving ourselves through them. Um, but is that not a good place to go to? Um, it can be absolutely. If you're like every, every person is different and every, you know, your sexual past is unique. And, you know, 
I think for some women, absolutely. And, you know, bef- you know, before having kids and before having before all kids. this stuff, like before everything, yeah. she, 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 you know, she had it going on and, she, you know, it would be nice to get back to that person. Absolutely. And other women have different experiences, so they don't, they can't tap into that. So I think it's just wherever you are in, in your life, you know, what you draw from. And it's, yeah. you say, get back and kids, kids is a whole other ball game just because the hormone levels that are coursing through us when we first have kids. I, I don't know about you, but I just know that my experience with kids um, created a whole different, like non sexual desire, probably because I was so tired all the time, but um it's it's interesting looking at the different stages in your life and where your libido is at that time or your desires are at that time and why and then it's okay. Yeah. So sex is not a constant sex is const sex is a constant evolution. Yep. So, you know, and where you were in your 20s or 30s or 40s or 50s, 60s, 70s, it's like constantly evolving and Hopefully, I guess the the goal is for it to get better and better and better, and it can get better and better. And but you will have seasons. I like to call them seasons, where you know you just sex isn't on the radar. And, you hibernate. <laughs> yeah, and it's okay. And I but there's a, a perception that we need to be continuously feeling sexual when that is just not a realistic expectation. So I think, you know, like, you know, when we go through those periods, like when we are in the throes of small children or when we are in the throes of perimenopause or, you know, we're in a big disruption of life, of course, we're not going to feel like having sex, but it's, I guess the trick is to always keep it on your radar because if you don't keep it on your radar, it's easy for it to fall off and then trying to reconnect after months and months and months of not having sex is incredibly difficult. So I, I always encourage people like I know, I understand I have kids, like I get the whole, I get, Mm. I get it. I get it so difficult when you're in one of the seasons, but I, I really encourage people to keep connected, um, during those those seasons and like the two the two ways that we can keep connected in a non-sexual way is being really clear how first of all how we're interacting with our partners so you might have heard that a good barometer for a relationship for sex is the relationship outside of the bedroom so you know couples who are fighting a lot chances are they're not having a lot of sex right so if you know if you're in a bad place with your partner and you're really not connecting in the bedroom you have to be aware of you know how what you're saying to your partner and and something i um like to encourage like we all go through periods where we're fighting with our partner okay right. so like it's just it's just <laughs> it's just a, it's just the way life is, right? Like if you, if you didn't have these periods where you, like awful periods with your partner, it wouldn't be a real relationship as far as I'm concerned. I know somebody's going to say something <laughs> that that's not true. But anyways, so when you're in that space where you're just not liking your partner and your partner's just not liking you, be really aware of, you know, the five to one rule of saying at least 
five, not necessarily positive, but five positive, neutral to positive things to them, to the one criticism. And honestly, when you start realizing like how damaging this negative talk or how positive talk can reinforce better bedroom habits, it really is profound. So that's one thing. And the other thing, if you're in a season where you don't feel like having sex, uh, something so important, I can't emphasize this enough, is keep up your non-sexual touch, affectionate touch, however you want to say it. But, you know, even though you're not having sex inside the bedroom, outside the bedroom, you are touching each other, you know, a lot during the day. That connection, that touch is going to help keep you two together through this season. Um, and also, so the other side of, you know, getting into the habit of touching each other a lot, like it, the whole being able to, to, to do that segues you into the bedroom so much easier and faster when you are on good terms or when you do feel like having sex and it's fundamental when you just don't feel like having sex. Uh, but there's also this, so when I've talked to a lot of women, uh, not all women, but a lot of women, when their partner initiates sex, so they come up to their partner and their partner starts touching them in, a, in an affectionate way, many women feel that the only time their partner touches them in an affectionate way is when they want sex. So women come to relate her partner touching in an affectionate way to wanting sex. And they, you know, they, they, so they start freezing up when they feel that affectionate touch. Because so, it's the expectation that's sitting there. Yeah. So yeah. when you start having a lot of outside the bedroom touch, that, that dynamic goes away. You know, it's like that's gone. And that's a good dynamic to go away. But so the whole, the whole need to have touch between two people, uh, just being in that habit is, is something that really keeps a relationship flowing in a positive direction. So I can't emphasize enough how important that small, small thing can impact a relationship in a positive way. Could be something as simple as sitting down on the couch together with one of you rubbing the other's head or um, with your legs across their lap and they're touching your legs. It's that simple to have yeah. those moments that are connected but not necessarily sexual. Yeah, so but you know, like it's, it's especially it's just, it's especially hard for people who like have full-time jobs and you know you're running around and you don't get to spend a lot of time with each other and when you do it's it's for eating or it's for you know it's not there's not a lot of affection or a touch that happens because you're just being busy and you know so that's when you really have to make the effort to just go and touch the person's hand or give them a hug or you know do something it doesn't have to be big, but honestly, it, it's something that needs to happen within the relationship. What would be, okay, so I just think long-term relationships, yes, scheduling I think is absolutely important. 
for the simple fact, again, that we're putting the energy into it. And really everything that we've talked about today talks about the energy that we're putting into it or the importance that we put on this area in the relationship. And for long-term relationships to last, I, I do see why so many fail. Um, it's the connection that's broken. Usually it's the connection that's broken. So somewhere in that, what would be, I, I like the idea of just the simple hug or the kiss before you leave every morning or that like putting little practices into place that keep you connected. That was one thing. Okay, so I, I'm divorced. I'm no longer in a long-term relationship. We had a lot of connection breakdown. Um, but that was one of the things that our our um, marriage counselor had talked to us about was implementing little things like kiss before, like a kiss before you leave every day or when you come home every day or um, five minutes of time that you spend that is just for you, regardless of how busy your life is, because you should be able to spare five minutes for each other. And I, I think there's a lot of value to be said in being able to maintain that, those simple moments. But it's a habit, right? And it, building and like it, it's like any habit. Habits are hard to gain and easy to lose. So it's just, it's really understanding and checking in. And, you know, and, you know, if you're, like I said, it's one of those things that doesn't, it takes two seconds to go and touch your partner. And it takes months and months and months to regain that intimacy back. Right. So I guess. I'm not trying to put a guilt trip or no. anything on people. I'm just saying, you know, to create that habit and maintain that habit, it's a small thing that creates, that reaps big dividends in your relationship. And honestly, and, and one of the easiest ways for women to be able to move from her busy day into the bedroom, like, so to have that, you know, to have that, that touch, um, when she, it, it, she get, it's easier for her to get into her body when she starts having sex with her partner. So there's just like, um, it's, it seems so trivial, I guess, you know, um, but it's profound. Is there anything you want to leave people with? Um, I, I actually, before we actually go there, I'm just thinking communication, I think, is one of the most incredible gifts we have with our partner is being able to communicate honestly. And it's tough sometimes when the relationship feels like it's not in the best place. Um, but we can communicate physically or we can communicate verbally or we can communicate both ways. And being able to communicate in the bedroom often, again, allows you to communicate in incredible ways outside the bedroom. Yeah, so if uh, one of the things I do on my Facebook, so if you go to my Facebook or my Twitter feed, I put really provocative, well, I think they're provocative and interesting <laughs> articles, but who knows? But um, so I put these articles up because I really want to encourage people to have sexual conversations outside the bedroom so that when it is time for them to talk about their own sexuality, it is a little more comfortable. So for example, um, oh, a couple years ago, I posted this article where a woman made bread 
with her own vaginal yeast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Seriously? I didn't know you could do that. <laughs> well, apparently she did. And I'm just saying, how could you not talk to your partner about that article? So, you know, and because, because it's, it's, you know, it's, but it's one of those things that you can talk, like you're talking about sex and yeast infection or yeast. And like, you're talking about a lot of things that, you know, if you just tried to sit down with your partner and talk about to them would be very, very difficult. But when you're talking about it in this kind of context, it's like, whoa, that's so unusual that a person would even think about using their yeast to make some bread. But um, so I would say it, you know, there's a plethora, a plethora of articles on the internet that are unusual and, you know, can just spark a good conversation, conversation between, between, between you and your partner. And I promise you that when you are able, to, you know, when you can talk about, you know, start talking about it in that as it does not relate to you, it relates to somebody else. When you start talking about your own sexual issues, your sexual wants, you know, trying different things in the bedroom, it does get easier because you do start, you do have that dialogue. So, you know, you can go to my Facebook there, uh, and see the different articles that I post, but there's, there's many sexologists like Dr. Jessica O'Reilly, who's out of Toronto and she's amazing. And she posts a ton of information too. So I'm just saying there's lots and lots and lots of articles that, that segue you to having conversations about your own sexuality to your partner. So it doesn't have to be painful or awkward. It just is, you know, it's all, it's all of a sudden, it's just, um, it's just not easy, but it's a lot more straightforward. That is excellent advice. Excellent advice. And sometimes conversations are sparked or yeah, conversations are sparked because of the things we come across or the things that we hear or see. And it's just, it leads us into absolutely incredible discussions with our partner. So yeah, great, great idea. Great idea. Um, Trina, I want to thank you so much for giving us so much valuable information and allowing us time with you and your expertise. Well, you know what? Uh, it was fun and I learned something from you, Brandy. So thank you for that. <laughs> and yeah, I, I wish you a ton of, ton of luck with this podcast series that you're doing. You know, I, I, um, I think it's wonderful and I hope it goes out and lots of women listen and learn a lot of things from it. So thank you for doing this. Thank you. And I hope you have an amazing weekend. <laughs> yeah, you too. We are back next week with the nitty gritty. We will have our beautiful sex nurse, health nurse on with us again. And she gets down and dirty with serious details that you need to know to keep yourself safe and protected. Until then, beautiful peeps, have an absolutely extraordinary week. <laughs> <laughs>